In this episode, you get to hear two different perspectives. One from Grace, a student in Drexel's Food and Hospitality Management Department, who was a freshman in the spring of 2020 when the lockdown first began. And one from Paul, one of Grace's professors in the department and a longtime friend and colleague of mine. I checked in with them this past week to see how their fall semester has been going. And Grace said, not only has it been completely flying by, but it has been so nice to be back in person. Grace and I met over the summer through last week's guest, Lauren Westerman. Grace has continued her student involvement with NACE, the National Association for Catering and Events. The NACE student program is running the next NACE Philly event, a 2021 wrap-up party at Reading Terminal Market on Tuesday, December 14th. For tickets and more information, visit nacephilly.com. In this episode, I explain how I got involved with the hospitality program at Drexel while I was working at Flying Fish, which led to my participation with the Philly Chefs Conference, as well as eventually teaching fundamentals of beer for a few semesters. Well, technically a few quarters, since Drexel is on the quarter system. I absolutely love teaching, and as I mentioned in my intro for Ben Torsey's episode, I'll be making the return to campus as an adjunct professor. Starting in January, I'll be teaching two classes in the Education Department at Temple University, Leadership and Organizations, and Team Processes. I'll be dedicating two days each week for academia and the other days for being MG the Venue Specialist. I always thought a return to teaching would be in the hospitality field, but the universe opened another door and I am excited to walk through it. I'm so grateful to have been able to interview and learn from Lauren, Ben, Grace, and Paul about their experiences dealing with the education system and COVID. With the recent announcement of the new variant, I asked Paul about the current plans for the Philly Chefs Conference, currently scheduled for late February of 2022. He said, as of now, the conference sits on the island of misfits plans, hoping for the best case scenario. We are still on and we'll be making an announcement soon, but nothing formal at this time. Recently, I read a tweet that said, we thought COVID was going to be The Wire or another show that ran for five seasons, but instead we're dealing with Grey's Anatomy. It's funny, but it's sad and infuriating all at the same time. As always, thank you so much for listening and enjoy the following episode, Setting the Table, a virtual lesson in hospitality with Paul O'Neill and Grace Schuler. My guests today are from my alma mater, Drexel University. I've got Paul O'Neill, Assistant Clinical Professor in the Food and Hospitality Management Department, and one of his students, Grace Schuler, whom uh, you're, you're just about to start your pre-junior year at Drexel, correct? Yes. And so Grace and I just got the chance to meet over the summer at a NACE event that um, the National Association for Caterers and Event Professionals, uh, that Lauren Westerman, who is also a guest on season two of Beyond the Venue podcast, um, is very involved with, and you ended up interning with Lauren for your, your very first co-op. And yeah. so we'll, we'll dive a little bit more into the insanity of probably working with a, a event planner and wedding coordinator doing a co-op during a pandemic. Um, and then Paul, we've known each other for quite some time. When I was at Flying Fish back in the day, um, the owner of Flying Fish had gotten his MBA at Drexel and I had gotten my undergrad there. And I know that he started doing several partnerships. I know like doing events and pop-ups and things with the hospitality hospitality and culinary program. And so it's kind of like, oh, MG, like, you know, you're our Philly sales rep. You went to Drexel. Like you want to do some of this stuff? I'm like, absolutely. So I started getting involved and met a lot of you and the other professors and the chefs. And 
ended up attending the very first Philly Chefs Conference that we'll dive into more details later, but really got to spend more time with everyone. And in between years one and two, you decided to put together a committee to try and improve how the conference was going to be in year two. So that was a lot of fun because showing up in a conference room at Drexel, you, several other, you know, casting characters from the Drexel community, but also um, getting to spend time with Kevin Spraga and um, Emilio from Emilio. Brothers. Yeah. And that was the very first time I got to meet Emilio. <laughs> this guy is a character. Again, not knowing that sitting in that room might eventually be working for both of you at some point in, it's you know, funny. in my career life, life always comes full circle. And I joke that that's why I'm nice to everybody is because you never know who you're going to meet or work for. Absolutely. <laughs> keep those, keep the bridges intact. <laughs> never burn them down. Never burn never, them down. Never. So I'm just uh, super excited to, to get to talk with you guys today. Cause when I first met Grace, it's like, oh, you're in the program you know, is Paul O'Neill still around? Is he still teaching? And he's like, oh yeah. He's... I was like, I have to have y'all both on the show because I thought it would be such an awesome experience to get the insight of a university student as well as a professor, especially one in the hospitality field where, you know, you're teaching about food and you're teaching about beverage and how the hell do you possibly do that virtually? So we're just going to dive right into all of this. So, you know, what, what have the last 18 months kind of been like for both of you? Oh, you can drink. You're like, I'm gonna need a drink for this. So, yeah, yeah, great. So, I'd like to start with the student perspective. Okay, so obviously, I started my freshman year, and I was living in the dorms because I'm from Maryland. So, I was living in the dorms, and um, March comes around, and that's when spring break is. So we get like an email and it's like, hey, like this virus is going around. Um, so we're going to like start your spring break early. Your final exams are going to be online. So I'm like, okay, cool. Final exams online. Like, I don't mind that. Um, so we go home for spring break and then they're like, okay, we're going to extend it for a few more weeks. And we're just like, okay, a few more weeks and extended spring break. Love that. And then as we were like coming back from like almost done with spring break, they're like, yeah, you're moving out, but you got to take all your stuff when you're moving out. <laughs> so we basically come back to Philadelphia and we have to move all of our stuff out of our dorms. And so from that point on, like for my freshman year, at least for five year students at Drexel, you get your first summer off. So my first summer off, I was looking for like a job within the hospitality industry, just cause like I love to continue working in the industry, but it was hard with COVID cause obviously like everything was shut down. So that summer I kind of just hung out with family and friends um, and just got like much needed like relaxation after school and stuff like that. Um, but the whole soft, or sorry, the whole spring semester was online. So that was definitely different cause it was like, our teachers and our professors, they were trying to navigate online and so were we. So it would be like, we were kind of struggling with one another because it was like some professors didn't know what to do and then some students didn't know what to do. And also like the whole mental health aspect of it, like some kids didn't really want to be home whereas some kids like were thriving at home. So that all passed, had summer and that was good. And then I'm like, okay, well, maybe we'll be in person. Like my brother and I moved back to Philly because we had signed a lease. And then we were all online again. 
So my whole entire sophomore year was online again. And I, I was kind of of the thought process of if I can't take any of the classes I like, I'm going to take all the classes I have to take online because it's just like, I don't want to take like Paul's fun class or like this like fun garden out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to take like this fun class that I could be outside in the garden, like while during COVID and like while I have to be online. So I just got all my prereqs out of the way, which I think was a good decision, but it was like mentally draining because it was like, you weren't really getting to do anything that you wanted to do or like learning everything, anything that you really wanted to learn or seeing the professor that you really like learned from. Um, so that was my whole sophomore year. And then in finding, trying to find a co-op, that was also an interesting experience because there weren't too many options, like because of COVID and stuff like that. So I had to go outside of the system and that's when I found Lauren. So that was like a little bit of my like school experience. And Paul, you can kind of tell yours and we'll get into the nitty gritty of everything else. But that was my school experience. And you were, so, you know, for our listeners that aren't familiar with the Drexel quarter system, you know, it's a year round school program where if you do decide to do the five year three co-op program, which I did as a marketing major as an undergrad, which taught me cubicles and corporate America are the worst. Um, you know, you go, go to your freshman year and your senior year are three quarters and then the summer off, but you either are in fall, winter co-op or spring, summer co-op and the other two quarters you're in school. So I guess, yeah. Grace, you were on spring, summer co-op. So you were in online classes for fall and winter and then did your co-op for the spring and summer quarters. And now you're going to be going back to now in-person classes coming up for your yeah. fall quarter. So it's definitely like an intense program just because your classes are a lot faster and you have like kind of like more of them in a sense because um, you're basically taking like I think it's like 183 credits when at like a normal college, like when you have summers off, like you might be taking like 150 or like 130 or whatever the case is. So you're just taking a lot more than other students. And then you also don't get that like break off, but you do come out with like three years of work experience. So that's what really drew me to Drexel. Cause I was like, I'm going to get all this experience and it's going to be a lot of fun. And obviously like COVID has kind of challenged that and trying to navigate that as like someone who plans has been like difficult at times. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think to piggyback on that too is, is, you know, which I'll talk about a little bit, but you know, that experiential component, how do you do that on an online scenario? And, you know, so much, you know, so many buzzwords that came out of the, the year, um, blurs day, you know, things like that. Uh, what word? Pivot- Blur's Day. Blur's Day. I, uh, you didn't hear you missed that, that nope. one. Nope, yeah. I missed that, that was, one. <laughs> that was like, what day is it? What day is it again? It's Blur's That's Day. Because I've experienced know. that on a regular basis, which is why I will type out the entire, you know, Wednesday, August 25th, 2021 at, you know, 1 p.m. Eastern Daylight Savings. <laughs> Yeah. I'm very explicit. Blur's That's day. good. I That's love good. That. Yeah, there were there were some moments where it was definitely a lot of blurs days. But one of the terms that I know was overused, besides unprecedented, was oh. uh, pivoting. Right. Yep. So everybody mm-hmm. had to pivot. But it's the truth. It's uh, about adaptation and pivoting, and there was a lot of that, like on the fly. Costs and benefits. You know, the costs of early what I should say the drawbacks of being an experiential college or university and having to figure out. How we do this online um 
you know, there were drawbacks for sure. Like we literally can't be there in person. Uh, whereas some of the benefits were like, we had to rethink and it's, it's all shifting. So we have to adapt or die, right? We have to go with it and figure it out. So. What um, classes were you slated to teach um, in the first spring of 2020? Um, so I first experiment of <laughs> going virtual. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. So just like Grace had said, and interestingly enough, so not only am I with uh, Drexel, of course, uh, full time, but I'm also, excuse me, on the board of, um, I'm on the board for Philly Wine Crew, uh, which is formerly Philly Wine Week. And have, we've uh, just changed our name from Philly Wine Week to Philly Wine Crew. Um, and that is a, um, we had just had a board meeting the uh, Wednesday, was that the 11th? Wednesday the 11th? Of 10th, March? I think it was of March, right before shutdown. And we were just, we were, cause we were supposed to have our opening corks on March 29th, the end of the month. And we were like, okay. And, you know, we always plan it. We, we take into consideration, you know, NCAA, we take into consideration Lent, uh, any other holy holidays around that time, you know, we have to take into consideration. So we always try to nail it to where it's not, uh, the opening of Quirks event is not on there. So I had taken up the duty to call the Philly uh, Board of Health and she didn't even have an answer, but basically said, I can't tell you no, that we're gonna lock down, but I can tell you that it's not looking good. So we had to call it there. And then sure enough, Friday came along, we had our last lunch class. And it was like, I'll see you when I see you. And yeah. uh, little did we know, but yeah, so I ended up uh, teaching, right, we had to pivot. And uh, we put all of our tests online that we had. Some of the classes uh, that I don't do tests in, it was fine. The portfolios or whatever the case may be. But then that spring term, we had some classes that were supposed to be done in person in a lab uh, setting that we had to revisit and rewrite. One class in particular was fine dining mm -hmm. um, that we normally do a number of different events and dinners that we have people come in. I teach service protocol. Um, Chef Brad Daniels, uh, who was teaching adjunct for that, for the kitchen counterpart class. We had to develop a class on the fly because there were seniors who needed that to graduate. And so we had to uh, come write a brand new class, basically centered on like fine dining principles and cooking and just going through the history of fine dining and interviewing fantastic people. Emilio was so great to join us one day. It's just great. You know, I, I didn't know what to expect, but like, it's just great to see people, you know, and he was just so excited. It was, and he's the best either virtually or in person, of course. So he was, it was really great. His personality is so big. It translates uh, whether virtual yeah. or in person for sure. He's like, yeah, I just hope I bring enough to the table. I was like, I'm not worried. <laughs> But you're funny. You're funny that you think you're not going to be able to do this, but that's cool. Um, so thankfully, we were able to navigate through that. Um, I was also teaching wine. So I had to, you know, the big component of that class is, is teaching people how to taste and what they should be looking for. And we normally, in a classroom setting, are tasting upwards throughout the term, somewhere in the area of like 60 to 70 different examples of wines. So I'm not having students purchase that much wine. <laughs> I'm, 
<laughs> certainly not going to distribute it. So like, how do I do that? So I, I came up with different ideas. I said, you know, if you want to be a part of the tastings, sign up for at least five of these. And that's what you'll be. And of course, I made it so they were accessible. I forget what I said in the emails, like text examples, accessible and affordable. That was like my major thing. So it was under the amount that they would normally spend in the lab materials fee for the class. Um, and then we could still do it in person. And that I found was probably when I also, I did beer and I did wine uh, throughout summer, fall and winter 21. So you did give them a shopping list to go Absolutely. and make, make the purchases themselves and they were trying it at home, but right. I guess, were they able were they able to share the bottles? Like, was that was that an option of like maybe breaking up into groups and? So there were a few instances in some of the classes because I had upwards in my one beer class. I think I had forty people at one point, which was a lot to try to rein in. Um, but there were some people that were actually living together already, like they just were on campus together. So that was helpful that they were able to do that some some people are like i don't really drink wine what am i supposed to do with the rest of this so you had to rethink that like okay maybe i'll offer the option of splits and doing the, the smaller format bottles and stuff like that so it, it definitely required a tremendous amount of tweaking however that uh, you know as much as people lamented the fact that they were losing that tasting component in the class, a lot of people take it for that reason. I don't know why, um, but they talked about the fact that that was probably their favorite aspect was actually just getting together and having candid conversations on Zoom. You know, we didn't have to. There was all those, you know, Zoom things like life hacks, like how to cover up alcohol during business meetings, put it in the coffee cup, right? We didn't have to do that. We literally were in class, like tasting, and it was fine. So, but it, you know. That combined with, uh, you know, I have three children. Um, my oldest is, my oldest was in third grade and the twins were in first grade. So doing, keeping the kids occupied, keeping tw first grader twins occupied um, while working from home. My wife is in healthcare. She's a pediatric nurse anesthetist. So she, of course, was going through her issues. Thankfully, the pediatric side wasn't as effective. Uh, as much as most of the other hospitals, but yeah, it was, there was a, there were a lot of challenges to, to navigate. And, you know, I felt badly when I would tell the twins to sit back down. Like we're doing a scavenger hunt. Like, oh, sorry. I think there's a lot of. It sounds like there's a lot of parents that you know prior to the pandemic would have been a little bit more resistant with with screen time and you know limiting that with their children. And I think that completely went out the window. Totally. <laughs> And, and that's the thing that, yeah, and, and that's the thing. Every childhood specialist is no screen time, no screen time, no screen time. And you better give, we, we got to do screens. So I keep them entertained. The so, mm -hmm. and you know, how did you end up bringing in any additional help or were you having to help the kids with their schoolwork as well as teaching like all of your classes or? We were able to, uh, coordinate with another family with whom we were very close. Uh, we, we are very close with that. Uh, um, we were able to develop a pod scenario. Awesome. Being very, you know, they actually were very 
mindful and very careful about, you know, and, and uh, yeah, we were able to at least do that. So it gave me three hours to at least maybe sit down and do something or like focus on some of my work. Uh, the twins didn't fare as well in the pod situation. So they ended up coming back. Bunch of but at least I, yeah, they really are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're fun. But so from you know from a professional personal standpoint, I would say you know there were uh, there were times where I would I would um, it was challenging for everybody. Everyone has their pandemic story, right? It's it's you know like with the twentieth anniversary of of September eleventh coming up, everyone has their story of where they were on nine eleven. It's like. Well, yeah, like, especially when I say things like, man, it was really messed up. Like, I was like, what? And I was like, yeah, me too. Like, we all have our pandemic stories that it was challenging for everybody. And uh, the collective think, trauma that's still ongoing. Yes, and that's, yes. I think that's one of the most infuriating parts is that it just, it can't quit. Like, it just yeah. keeps going. And, you know, I'm guessing your kids are probably going back to school in person and, you know, yes. you're physically at Drexel right now, teaching classes in person this summer and will continue to do so for the fall. But I mean, I do know that the mandate is, I think by October 15th, every single staff, faculty, student at um, Philadelphia colleges and universities must be vaccinated. So right. hopefully that helps, but I know that's still two months away, so. Right, and by that point, I'll. I'll probably be in line for the booster at that point because that'll be around the eight month period. Uh, I was very fortunate. Um, I also was diagnosed with uh, asthma <laughs> during oh, the pandemic. Geez. So I was like, oh man, do I have it? I haven't gone anywhere. I mean, I, my hair, my, this, this is short compared to where my hair was getting at one point. Uh, it's pretty gnarly. And, uh, yeah, I was like, man, do I have it? What's up with my lungs? And uh, then, of course, you go to the asthma specialist and they're like, are you short of breath? Yes. You can't come in. Why? <laughs> <laughs> you are asthma. Because <laughs> that's a, because you're showing signs of COVID. I'm like, I'm showing signs of asthma. Yes, there's a, there's an intersection there. You know, Did you have I don't to have come with a negative COVID test in order to... So I had to get Okay. I had to get swabbed a couple of times. Like uh, I had to, uh, yeah, so the, the little brain tickle. and, and Asthma diagnosis. That's got, oh, that's got to be so infuriating because yeah. I know there's definitely been jokes made about, okay, is now we're back into, is it allergies or COVID season? And I know a lot of my friends have been experiencing that where they've actually gone to get tested. So even though we've all been vaccinated since May, that, um, you know what sore throat sneezing you know you just you just don't know that better to be safe than sorry it's ugh. well <laughs> ugh. well let's talk about the philly chefs conference um i know so this was something you know i was super excited to get involved in and at the time it was bringing in folks from the hospitality community from all over different panelists and discussions and it was a mix of you know current Drexel students, as well as, you know, anyone from the hospitality community in Philadelphia. And it was, it was just a, such a super awesome thing for me to be a part of and to have been able to meet just so many 
interesting, amazingly talented people from the region. So, you know, what have, what have the last, oh, obviously you didn't have one. <laughs> 2020 or did you do one virtually or did nope. was it let's just nope. let's just nope. stop it right there <laughs> yeah we um yeah so the chef conference is something that um first of all uh michael trout is uh, you know he was tasked uh i shouldn't say tasked maybe presented with the opportunity to put something together and um you know he after speaking with a number of different people kind of generated this idea this was back in 2013 when I was still teaching adjunct and I was still working at Vetri uh, at the time. And both Mike and I worked within the Vetri organization. So actually this, yeah, Mike and I have been working together now almost 15 years and um, from restaurants to here. So um, he was instrumental in, in, uh, in putting this all together kind of presented with it in December and put it together in just like three weeks. And it was that January and we considered a couple, he considered a couple of different things, Mondays in January, especially after the holidays being very slow for the restaurants. So therefore we can have people come in. And the whole idea was to have uh, the restaurant community, the hospitality professionals to have a place to come in and just to talk about things, whether it be uh, part TED talk, whether it be part moderated panel discussions with other professionals, um, demos, how to break down a, a you know a whole hog, how to uh, you know how to butcher, how to do uh, how to work with this product, featuring other pastas, whatever. And from that time of January 2014, it's just every year it's been able to evolve into something more, and we've been able to get better. Uh, I shouldn't say better, but but bigger names and more, I mean, the fact that we're getting more international names, we had, uh, you know, people coming in from uh, Copenhagen and Australia and uh, Chile, Peru. I mean, it's just, it's crazy to think of where it started and where it is today. And it's great too, because there are best ambassadors, the people that have done it, they get to go out and say, ah, you got to see what they're doing. Or they'll say, you got to get in touch with this person. Here's their here's their contact. Uh, they would love to do this. They're the people you want to have here. Like, did it yeah, stay? No, we were we were thinking that too. Yeah, good idea. Did no. it stay in January? I, I know you moved it to March. We I moved think, it to point. March. So yeah, we started to worry. Twenty twenty. We did. We were able to be the last major event of twenty twenty. It was. Um, it was February twenty. Was it a leap? No, it wasn't leap year. It was leap year. Uh, my yeah, first clients uh, got married on February 29th right. of 2020. It was a leap so year. It was 29th and uh, March 1st. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we were able to get it in. And actually, uh, Chef Kwame Nwachi, uh from DC had his mask. And, you know, we've seen them on campus before. Uh, students who are primarily from uh, Asian countries will have them on. It's part of their culture. When they're sick, they don't spread it so you would see it around campus with people wearing masks but chef Kwame was one of the first and he came up to the panel he kept the mask on and was talking really so you don't take the mask off of course at the time being so naive and you know and it wasn't a part of everyday life at that point so and it wasn't and there the, were a lot of weird a couple things. weeks too like even when there was a lockdown it was still we didn't 
we weren't told to start wearing masks until probably April. Right, that... we couldn't even find them too, right? Nobody could find masks. Remember the toilet paper shortage? I mean, like the things that come back to you, like, oh my God, I forgot about that. And you're like, we have gotten through 18 months of this. Like, this is badass that we, because yeah. it, it's not been easy. And no, I mean, we got to learn about Carol Baskin. We got to learn about a whole lot of interesting things. But I mean, it's crazy when you think about like, oh my God, oh, that was the Tiger King. Ago. That's how it's yeah. started. It's like, that's how oh, it started. How it started and how it's going. Um, Murder hornets. I mean, like, oh, yeah, it was all happening. Man. Uh, well, Grace, I'm I'm curious. Were were you able to attend the the chef's conference then? Like your your first and only thus far? Yeah, that was my first one. So it was. I had like, I think I visited the campus like 2019 afterwards, and they gave me like the little swag bag but it was my first time attending in 2020 and I really liked it. Like it was a lot of fun. I had never really like attended an event in our like smaller space. So it was very chaotic because um, it is like a smaller space. Um, but it, it was a it lot work. of fun. It's, I was always yeah. impressed with the the logistics. Like it's, yeah, they get it done. So the students, like we were like mostly working the whole time. But it was like, I always enjoy that kind of stuff. Like I always like going to that kind of stuff. Like I remember Paul and I, we had a conversation afterward. Like I think it was after when, cause there was a Philly chef conference and then there was a conference in the study. I guess it was for like, like certain members would get a ticket to the study hotel and like they would like. Oh have yes, a, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So we were like talking after that and I was just like, I don't understand like why more students don't volunteer for this. Like it's like a great learning experience and you learn a lot and like you learn like what was good and like what could have been improved and like who was a great speaker to have on and like who maybe you should have reconsidered or like what foods really like hit it off and what foods didn't. So just stuff like that, it was like interesting to see and be able to be a part of. Um, especially as like a first year student because you were around kids who had done it before um, but yeah so it was my first time seeing it and it was crazy how they like transformed the space because I would we would walk into class and it would just be like this small little space and then there were like vendors everywhere and like pig roasts going like not a pig roast but like beef like being cut and then the pastries being like presented and stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't get this water outside. Let me through. <laughs> Is it, were there any um, panels or anything that really like spoke to you that was one of your favorites that stuck out? Cause I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, it would have been a million years ago, but the, there was a panel on the death of fine dining that mm -hmm. I, I thought was super interesting. So you had a lot of, you know, food writers, and just having a, a moderated discussion on, you know, kind of like what that means. Cause I mean, even Paul, you were speaking about, you know, teaching a fine dining class that it's, you know, I think it's not that fine dining is dead, but I think the definition of it has changed to where, you know, you're not really seeing the white tablecloth anymore, but the level of service will always remain at like particular restaurants that strive to be that, you know, five-star, um, level of service so I just thought yeah, it was fascinating there was, there was one and okay there you go I was looking up the word because I didn't want to like mispronounce it or say the wrong thing but there was one that um a woman spoke about and I think she was like a, a, some type of nutritionist or like a doctor and she talked about like umami 
and like the like like the history behind unami and basically why like a lot of people don't enjoy the taste of unami because like the five or I guess is it five tastes yeah I guess there's five tastes and like unami is one of them so I thought that was really interesting like the cultural um, history behind it and like why people like have a thing against it or like why people enjoy it more I thought that was really interesting and then um, like an event professional came in um, Sarah Zahn with all about events and she kind of like she talked about her story and so I learned more about like her company and stuff and I really enjoyed that because like that's what I would love to do one day so I really enjoyed listening to her and like how she kind of built her company up from like helping friends in college to now like having a citywide company that like people know in the whole region. So I just really enjoyed like sitting in on the few that I like sat in on. I, we were working a lot of the time, but like I enjoyed that too. So yeah, so it was fun. Paul, did you have any, uh, or what, so what is 2022 going to look like? I, I know you're, we're tiptoeing through 2021 and, and hope, hopefully looking forward to 2022. Um, you know, are you, is it starting to be pieced together or is it more a, a wait and see approach? You know, what, cause I know as, as far as event planning goes, it's, it's obviously been a roller coaster. So we're feeling more confident. We're talking about vaccinations. We're, you know, requiring proof of vaccinations. We're, you know, masking up again. So I know there's a lot of, policy and procedure that can now be implemented that we didn't have six to nine months ago. And so I think a lot of us are a lot more optimistic about next year because of where we're headed. Um, so what what's kind of the approach for 2022? Um, so we did have an event last month on July 14th. We had um, Mashama um, Bailey and Jono Morisano uh, they came in. I'll do a plug real quick if that's okay. But they came in last uh, month and we did um, a panel discussion um, regarding their book, Black, White, and the Gray. And, you know, the one thing we did with the chef conference in order to, you know, a couple of years ago, we just, um, you know, Mike had said something about, about like maybe expanding it, but you know, we didn't want to do like a spring and a fall one or anything like that, but we did feel like it was beneficial for us anytime anybody had something come out that would be a part of the chef conference, but it just happened to be the timing didn't work. Um, why don't we just throw a series talks, right? So part of the chef conference series was this talk that we had last month. This was July 14th. And at that point we were like, all right, everyone's doing it. Like we're being cool. Everyone's getting the vaccinations. We're we're showing great numbers. Numbers are super low. So this this was an in-person event in July. Yes, and this was uh, for a lot of people. A lot of you know the mask mandate at Drexel had been lifted. Mm -hmm. uh, we had. And I think a lot of us were comfortable being indoors, unmasked, fully vaccinated. Absolutely. All the events I met Grace at for Nice were indoors, you know, we were, and we just weren't concerned until <laughs> right until late July, early August. And we're like, oh boy, uh -oh. here we go again. Uh, the what variant? And <laughs> we, uh, and we um, literally a week prior, we were still scheduled uh, to have it outside, uh, which I was so thankful we didn't because it was a day just like
today, you know, 94 degrees humidity with humidity and... and dew points and the real feel is 108. Um, so we, once we got that, like, go ahead, we, we like, breathe a sigh of relief and um, no pun intended, but we're able to do it without masks. And it was like, cool. That was six weeks ago. Yeah, it's crazy right? how fast this is, has turned. Right. So I hate to use another overused term, but it's, you know, the situation is fluid and we're just, you know, we're tiptoeing. We're, we're got our fingers crossed and we're bated breath. We're hoping for the best. And, you know, as of right now, we're shooting for the February 28th, um, um, you know, the end of February. That's where we're at right now. Um, nothing has been announced. Uh, so, you know, we're looking for the same time period. We for the same typical format we will not do it virtually um, we decided that uh, you know especially when the time came for the chef conference this past year people were just zoomed out uh, and zoom fatigue is real yeah zoom fatigue was real and um we just we we couldn't do it and on top of that you know that that that's you know when we talk about when you i'm sure you discussed it before but when you talk about events and event personnel and the resources and uh, you know all the people that you need forget the materials the people that you need uh, to put together the space and to be responsible for all of these moving parts from a technological standpoint that requires a whole other set of hands in addition to the people you need to put together the events we just felt like that was that was not something we could really entertain or take on ourselves just too much um so hopefully i'm kind of, oh, sorry go ahead no go ahead i was just gonna say hopefully it's gonna i be. feel like it kind of takes away the whole like food aspect of it like it's the philly chef conference like yes you want to hear from people but you also like want to hear what they're talking about and a lot of what they talk about is like how food coincides with what like what world problem there is or what they want to focus on or like why they're focusing on this type of cuisine and I feel like kind of bringing it online, like kind of defeats the purpose. Like I've learned that like, we've done a couple of things at the club that we started with Drexel Hospitality Society. And it is really hard to get like a lot of foodies involved in events that don't have that food element or that don't have that interactive element, just because like, even if you are an introvert, like I'm like somewhat of an introvert and it's hard being an introvert in this kind of industry, but we still like to like, have that side of like the food we still like to have that side of meeting people like even if you are a little bit of introverted if you're in this in this industry you still do enjoy some aspect of the industry and I feel like in taking away the food element or in taking away like that personal element it does kind of take away like what the industry is all about and you're also you don't have that chance to host like I think you know all of us as hospitality professionals we just want to take care of our guests our you know whoever whoever it is we want to take care of them and it's it's you know not impossible but it's just a different feeling and situation if you're doing it virtually versus in person and so especially for the the drexel staff and the students to just welcome and host these local regional national international you know, chefs and other hospitality professionals, like you're not getting the chance to do that. And I can see where it's just impossible to translate into a virtual world. And I really applaud you for making the the decision to be like, 
yeah, we're just not going to do it. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> there's just yeah. not everything has to go virtual. You can just hold off and just wait and, you know, and do it right when it is safe to do so. Right. And, and I have enough technological issues that already take place in person here that I don't need somebody to not know how to turn off their cat filter. Uh, and then they're kind of looking on their <laughs> I'm keyboard. Not, I'm, not, I'm not a cat. I'm a lawyer. I'm not a cat. I, I've never like, laughed so hard at anything in my life. And and I wish I could say that that's the only time that I saw that throughout the Zoom pandemic actually occur, like unintentionally and like just sitting there going, oh man, this hurts to watch. And you know, not that any hospitality professional would ever fall victim to something like that, but you're talking about varying degrees of people who know how to work their equipment. And even though you're able to give them the finest detailed instructions as meticulous as you can be things are going to happen someone's getting a snowstorm texas was was uh, knocked out of power right so here we are we have a keynote speaker and they just so happen to be powers out and it's like it just didn't it did not seem like variables we wanted to last week so, well, so, so yeah I'm we're sure. looking forward to it <laughs> So, so when the conference happens in late February of 2022, um, you know, what I'm, I'm sure you'll probably continue to have panels on like the future of our industry, um, how so many different places have had to get creative as well as trying to break down, you know, the, the toxicity of our industry as well as, uh, you know, starting to address a lot of the mental health issues that take place within our industry. Um, you know, what, what what does the future look like and you know do you have any resources that that you recommend to um any bars or restaurants out there that might need them in in terms of breaking down toxicity or focusing on mental health yeah no uh excellent questions so i think uh the one thing that it forced everybody to do um as we all very well know is it kind of forced us to stop i was going to say before you know one of the major things that i had to kind of reset my focus on every once in a while when I felt like a little too overburdened with being at home so much is, oh my God, I'm home. I'm like, I'm with my, I'm with my family and I'm safe and everything's okay. Um, you know, I didn't have an Ellen DeGeneres sized personal gym uh, <laughs> or the things that all the celebrities would be like, just stay home and be like, that's so cute for you to say. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, nothing patronizing about that at all. Can you sing Imagine again, please? Uh, my, so my office, my home office, um, uh, has been unusable pretty much the entire pandemic. We had water come through the ceiling and it's been a whole thing. So my home gym was like the, you know, this much in between my bed and my closet. So yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, so yeah, you that was, that was like, what you have. I didn't, thankfully, yeah, I, I wasn't on that end of the spectrum, but I also was not on the end of like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm healthy and, I'm, and we're okay. And you know what, this is forcing me the time to stop and to actually, uh, you know, enjoy the time with the kids and also to teach them a valuable lesson about uh, resilience and perseverance and say, you know, you know, we got stuck just a couple, couple weeks ago uh, we went to Florida in July when it was still safe. Um, we took spirit. Be honest, I don't think Florida was ever safe. <laughs> yeah. And we went to, uh, we, we were part of that 
that wave of spirit cancellations. Oh, you I don't think I heard about that. Beginning of that terrible, no good, bad week uh, mm -hmm. that spirit had and over 2000 some odd cancellations. Oh, wow. And we were canceled last minute. Um, we had to find a hotel last minute. I mean, we were literally delayed us twice and then they just canceled us and said, uh, go collect your bags call or contact us online for to rebook your trip by were you stuck in was, florida at that point like were you yes. already or, oh wow we so were this stuck. is your flight to get home yeah flight to come home and we had went to the baggage carousel my wife called and booked a last like one of the last hotel rooms in the cruise district of fort lauderdale and uh like a holiday <laughs> holiday Inn express right and uh and we're like sure like wherever i'm i can't sleep in the in the airport uh flights to philly were canceled for three more days etc the next flight out was like two thousand a person oh. um so we were able to book a flight to atlantic city for six in the morning had we got to the airport at three thirty-four, and like people are camped out still sleeping on the floor we waited online for three and a half four hours almost missed the flight i sprinted to go get it because we were waiting online for so long so again uh that was really long-winded but again taking that as an opportunity to show the kids like listen i know this sucks but there's nothing we can do about it right now and surely uh starting a fight screaming stomping doing something is not going to help the situation so we have to persevere and have to be resilient and then when you get through that part then you can look back and be like man that sucked but when you do it during the time like we all know this sucks right now there's nothing you can do about it. You just got to get through it. So I think that was one of the better lessons we were able to give the kids and, and spend uh, time with them. So did you did um, uh, once you got back to um, your home in South Jersey? Did you then lock yourself in the car and scream as loud as you possibly could to just <laughs> well, that, it all out? Well, our car was still at the Philly International, and we flew into Atlantic City, so then oh, we had to book a boy. car service because all of the cars, all the rented cars, were all sold out. So we had to book like a last-minute car service. Um, <laughs> he was so nice. He was such a nice gentleman. Um, his driving was suspect. Okay. Well, <laughs> I tell you what, I feel like everybody became either more impatient or worse drivers during the pandemic, but it, yeah. it just, something changed out there on the roads that it just, it's pretty terrifying. And even being a pedestrian, you know, walking through South Philly, I, it just seems to be a lot of impatience and a lot of horn honking unnecessarily and a lot of just intense behaviors. And, you know, I keep saying that th this last year and a half really brought out the best and the worst in people that yes. you either went one of two directions. You're either improving humanity or making it worse. And so I, you know, obviously pride myself on the ones who are making, being friends with and having guests that are improving humanity. Um, but I'll circle, I hate to say sorry. I never, that, I never I'll... answered your original <laughs> questions. I'm so sorry. It I happens. just went on a It totally tangent. happens. You, you know, you had to let it out about your Florida experience. Um, <laughs> um the changes in freedom, hospitality. You pay for it, Paul. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm always terrified to fly those low budget airlines because I, I am a firm believer in a get what you pay for situation. And we were kind of faced with that conundrum uh, when planning our honeymoon a couple of years ago because we, we were definitely going to go to Iceland and WOW Airlines had just launched. 
So when you've got an option of, you know, a six, $700 plane ticket on Iceland air that's been around for forever that you can also do a free layover in Reykjavik and then go to any, you know, mainland Europe city or spend $99 going from BWI to Reykjavik. And I'm like, you know what? No, nope, it's my honeymoon. I do not want to get what you pay for a situation on my honeymoon. So this is one time where I'm not budging. So right. thank you to everyone who donated to our honeymoon fund. Yes. <laughs> and I'll pay for that more expensive. It's the same there. reason why I'll never stay in a hostel <laughs> ever again. Like I'll, I'll never ever go to a hostel. I don't have well, to. Well, because you're over 30. Like. <laughs> right. Right. For so point. many reasons. <laughs> but no, so, it, yeah, I think that's, we'll come back that's to the truth. <laughs> So I'll, I'll bring but, us back to the um, like updates in the industry, changes in the industry, future in yes. the industry. So um, I think a lot of people, A, are, um, you know, there's been a lot of business models that have, uh, they've been able to, dare I say again, pivot. There are uh, some people that did it well. There are some people that just said, nope, um, I can't and I won't. And some people have the luxury of being able to close for some time. Uh, some people just closed out, right, and just left, right? Um, I know seeing a lot of uh, hospitality professionals, whether they be in the beverage, especially in the beverage field, a lot of people are just relocating now and just maybe even getting out of the industry for good. You know, this opens up a number of different avenues uh, for people who are up and coming. Um, one of the things, one of the pep talks I tried to give prior to us shutting down for two weeks uh, to the students as I said, you know, you're going to be on the ground floor of uh, something that nobody has experienced. Like, literally since like, I don't know, 1919? Yeah, maybe years. in the 50s, maybe in the 50s polio, maybe. Other than that, nobody knows how to navigate this and you're going to be on the ground floor of this and be able to come up with the answers, right? And that's what, it's about being resourceful and it's not so much about having the right answer. It's about being resourceful and how to try to find the right answer and navigate through that, as opposed to just throwing your hands up and going, I don't know. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people have been able to do that. And those that have been able to do that, they're going to be, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are just very excited to open back up. Now that we've had time to reset, mental health is definitely going to be something that is, um, you know, addressed, hopefully. Um, I think this, the change starts with more of the metropolitan area hospitality uh, establishments. Um, and then hopefully it is able to transcend and work its way throughout. I think what is going to be challenged are a lot of the, the days of the, you know, I work 90 hours a week, but I only punch in for 60 of those. Um, that's going to be more challenge more so than ever. Um, and, you know, as I, you know, we were talking earlier prior to uh, recording, business models are going to be changed. Like Bobby Stuckey out in Boulder, Colorado has uh, Frasca, a fine dining restaurant that he doesn't look at being a restaurant worker as like a, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm getting my degree at the University of Colorado, so I just need a quick job. But he looks at the restaurant industry as a career, so pay them like they're in a career. Provide them with benefits like it is a career. Uh, Mark Vetri, 
that's when I worked uh, for Vetri and when I was at Osteria. They, they started a 401k. They started a health insurance for us. You know, and I had Jeff Benjamin on uh, one of my Zoom classes and I thanked him there. And I was like, by the way, like you were ahead of the curve and kind of starting that and treating it like it is a career as opposed to, you know, because you get the question all the time from guests. Like, so what do you really do? I work here. Like, no, I know you work here, but like, what do you do? Like, no, this is what I do. Why? Like, are you <laughs> an actor? Are you a musician? Right, exactly. You know, <laughs> clearly not. <laughs> but <laughs> and but they they uh, you know it's it's taken it, it takes the owners and proprietors to take it much more seriously, um, and then to offer offer that platform as a career. So Bobby Stuckey is is continuing that after ninety days of employment, you uh, are eligible for benefits. Um, he has established a point system for tipping um, where it's a whole house tipping pool now. So that means back of house and front of house are on a point system of getting tipped. Therefore, uh, you know, cooks are getting wages that are near $20. That is mind blowing to think about, but also mind blowing to think about why did it take so long for us to get here? There's gonna be some pushback Food prices are going to go up. And that's, we've already seen that. Like food, food prices are going up. Um, You know, I know that supply chains are messy. There's a lot of folks that have decided to leave the industry altogether because, you know, they realize that they didn't want that lifestyle anymore being at home, that it's, uh, you know, whether it's going back to school or doing something different. And, you know, it's been really heartbreaking to see the internet trolls coming out, you know, against, concepts that so many of us are so approving of for, you know, the proof of vaccination for certain, um, you know, bars and restaurants here in Philadelphia that, I'm, you know, jealous of some of the other cities that are requiring it, but it sounds like vaccination numbers are going up ever since they made the announcement here in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago. So I think we're heading in the right direction, but there's always going to be the the naysayers. So I, I really appreciate the trailblazers who are willing to put themselves out there and you know, always happy to support their businesses. And I will say, as like a last note, when you talk about like resources who you could go to, you know, there's there's so many different people. There's, I mean, you can get oversaturated and overwhelmed with all, how much information there is out there. Um, I think, you know, one thing that a lot of restaurants, um, events and lodging um, has been able to kind of turn to are different um, organizations. One in particular that comes to mind um, a good friend of mine, uh, Ben Fletcher, who mm-hmm. is head of the Philadelphia chapter of PRLA. Um, he's been instrumental in just like, I know, like, yeah, you can type in Google, I need this. And like, you have this array of answers. You can go, you know, he can literally direct you to all of those particular resources. If you are somebody who is um, either in the industry or owns a restaurant or whatever the case may be, whatever facet you are in the industry they have all the information you need whether it is about the you know COVID itself what the state is saying what the state is mandating um down to the mental health uh you know who to seek out what where to start there as opposed to just trying to go out there in the woods figuring it all out yourself they have all the resources and links so things such as that uh, are extremely valuable for people in the industry to seek that out prior to just running out scattershot, right? Going down that rabbit hole. 
Well, the, the last question I wanted to ask the both of you, um, you know, what's your favorite venue? So Grace, I mean, you're not even old enough to drink yet. So I don't, <laughs> I know I was always a fan of restaurants even before I was 21, but um, you know, you've gotten a chance to work with Lauren. You've probably seen some, some venues around Philadelphia. You know, you probably have some favorites back in Maryland, but um, from each of you, like, I'd love to know what, what your favorite venue is. Yeah, so with Lauren, I got to like explore a lot of different venues. We would go on venue visits. Um, so that was like one of my favorite parts of working with her because I like was able to meet different industry professionals and like see all these different venues um, that hopefully like we would do events at or we would do weddings at. Um, so one of my favorites, um, Sue, I want to say her last name right, Sue Connerman, or I, I'm not sure what her last name is. Maybe cut that part out. <laughs> But her name's Sue, and um, Sue introduced me to One North Broad, mm -hmm. and it used to be, like, a masonry um, place, like, for, like, the masons to come and, like, meet and stuff like that, and she told us about all the history of it and everything like that, and I just really liked it because it was different from, like, other spaces I had seen, and there's, like, different spaces like oh you can get married in this hall oh you can have like I think they during COVID they were having like an acoustic guitar night so people would come in and like play acoustic guitars and they would have like all these candles on the ground and like people would just come and listen to the music like I thought that was really interesting but I just really liked it because it seemed like it like evokes a type of like timelessness and class and elegance that I really enjoyed and it kind of reminded me of like like, you know, the show like Bridgerton, like it, it kind of <laughs> like reminded me of that. Like it just reminded me of like this like old, but like soulful place that I just really enjoy. Like, I don't know if I would have my own wedding there or if like people like it for that kind of stuff, but oh, I just a very popular it was wedding like, venue. My yeah, friends were supposed to get yeah. married there in May of 2020, push it to May of 2021. They ended up eloping. <laughs> in November of 2020, but they are still planning May 2022 at One North Broad. It's it's a very yeah. interesting venue. I, I definitely agree with all your points. Yeah, it's beautiful. And like, I think like they, like their hospitality as well is a big part of it. Like Sue is very inviting. And I think they have like a security guard there and stuff and you can like take tours of it. So even if you're interested, just going in to like learn about the history of it, I would definitely recommend that because it's very interesting and they have like the big Benjamin Franklin statue that's kind of creepy, but it's, <laughs> all, it's also very cool. <laughs> and then so, Paul, yeah, what about you? Favorite. Yeah, um, so One North Broad is definitely one that came to mind, you know, just thinking of like um, really amazing venues. I, um, I'm also a big fan of, I love the fact that, um, you know, the city has you know, whether it be the art museum, whether it be um, uh, the Franklin Institute, even the Police Touch, um, uh, and one that especially comes to mind that I went to a wedding to, uh, the Mutter Museum is another. You know, the fact that these museums also uh, host a lot of these different events, actually through Drexel, I should probably also say, uh, the, <laughs> natural, the natural science, uh, you know, the natural histories, um, Science, yes, I'm losing my words. But anyway, a lot of these museums, it's really cool because it becomes interactive too. Um, so, you know, that was the one thing about the museum, the Motor Museum event that I went to, the, the dining, 
like the hall itself was just this old, I mean, you know, all of the, the mill work, the, the old wood was just, you know, something that harkened back to the 19th century. And it was just, um, it was, had that kind of regal element to it, but then you were invited to just go check out the exhibits too. So, you know, if, if you didn't want to watch other people dance poorly, you could go off Look at the to, medical uh, oddities. <laughs> yes, like, sure, I'd rather be looking at that <laughs> um, than try to watch somebody navigate the uh, cha-cha slide, right? Um, but the, the um, I really enjoy the fact that they're able to do a lot of those, whether it be the Art Museum, Franklin Institute especially. Um, I'm also a fan of, you know, some of the, some of the event venues in town that have, uh, um, you know, like 19 is one and mm -hmm. you know, View 150 is another uh, that give you an opportunity to have, you know, spectacular views of the city and just kind of take you away, like literally take you away from, from everything else and kind of give you that, uh, that spot too. So that, those are probably a couple that come to mind for sure. Awesome. Can you let our listeners know how they can follow you? Paul, I think you have uh, decided to not participate in social media anymore, which I am kind of jealous of. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I am I am I am declawing uh, Mark Zuckerberg's uh, talents from uh, I do. I do have it's a personal account that I vet a uh, vet a lot. Uh, but yeah, when it comes to following the Philly Chef Conference, uh, that's the handle, Philly Chef Conference. Um, and we do a lot of our announcements and of course linking bios for ticket sales, et cetera. It's fairly bare bones. It's not anything that's too crazy and we don't, we don't overpost. <laughs> um, and also Drexel FHM would be another. So uh, Drexel Food. And so Food and Hospitality Management, okay. Yeah, and then Grace, what about you? Um, yeah, so Drexel started a hospitality program, like not a program, I should say a society. Um, they already had a program. Um, we started Drexel Hospitality Society. Um, so just a few of us like wanted to get um, a few students together outside of the classroom. So you can find Drexel Hospitality Society if you're a Drexel student or someone that's interested in speaking to Drexel students um, at Drexel underscore hospitality. Um, and then I have a personal account that kind of just like for events that I do or like events that I help with. Um, and it's just called eye to actuality, like your eye um, for like a hopeful event company I hope to own in the future. So fingers crossed, but. Such a go-getter. I love, I love her attitude. That's like when I met her, I'm like, oh man, she reminds me so much of myself, except she knew she wanted to go into event planning at a much earlier age than I did. So. Well, you figured it out. And you're I figured, like, you're I figured a it out. Took, you're a took me I a, little, you. a little time, but. Well, I you know. told you, I was like, you're the first person I know that does this. And I think it's amazing. So. I mean, once once you think that you're going to spend the rest of your life in the beer industry and then you become gluten intolerant, it's time to figure out something else. So yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> a pandemic to pivot, um, you know, just yeah. some dietary restrictions. Well, I'm so glad you guys were able to join me today. This was fantastic. Uh, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Please follow Beyond the Venue podcast on Instagram and check us out on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Have a great day.